Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are going to be reading the readings for December 8th, 2019. This is the second Sunday of Advent during year A of the church calendar. So we're going to jump right in with the first reading, which is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 to 10. On that day, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and of strength, a spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord and his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. Not by appearance shall he judge, nor by hearsay shall he decide, but he shall judge the poor with justice, and decide a right for the lands afflicted. He shall strike the ruthless with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Justice shall be the band around his waist, and faithfulness a belt upon his hips. Then the wolf shall be a guest of the lamb, and the, sh- and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion shall browse together, with a little child to guide them. The cow and the bear shall be neighbors, together their young shall rest. The lion shall eat hay like the ox. The baby shall play by the cobra's den, and the child lay his hand on the adder's lair. There shall be no harm or ruin on all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as water covers the sea. On that day the root of Jesse, set up as a signal for the nations, the Gentiles shall seek out, for his dwelling shall be glorious. So this reading is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, and he is um, very, you know, influential. He is the longest book in the Old Testament other than the book of Psalms, so he is... He contributes a lot to the church, um, but I think this is one of his most famous passages because, you know, it's his prophecy about the Messiah. Um, So it starts off with him confirming that uh, the Messiah shall be from the line of King David. It says on that day, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse. And Jesse, if you did not know, is uh, the father of King David. So that's where that lineage comes in there. Um, This reading's cool because... You know, a lot of people, the Jews, when they thought about their Messiah, they were picturing, um, like, you know, we've talked about this before, a mighty warrior, strong, uh, I don't know, like a muscular fighter that was going to conquer, you know, all of these empires that were trying to take control of Israel and all of their enemies, and they were picturing someone with, like, a lot of military skill. Um, And so Isaiah kind of takes that and turns it on his head and he says 
yes, he's going to bring justice and, and, you know, he is going to be a king, but not in the way that you expect. So it says, he shall strike the ruthless, not with a rod, you know, not, so in other words, when he, when he strikes, he's not going to strike with a stick, but with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. So he, this is not going to be a Messiah that's going to use violence and weapons, but all he needs is his words, right? The breath of his lips um, shall slay the wicked. So it's through what he teaches us uh, that he will defeat evil. Um, and so he's really going to be the Messiah of peace. And that's what Isaiah is really known for is, is prophesying that the Messiah will be um, the Messiah of peace. Um, and then in the, like the second half of this, he says, you know, all of these things that were presumed to be enemies are going to start getting along, right? So the wolf shall be the guest of the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion shall browse, shall browse together. Um, this idea that the Messiah is going to bring peace and justice and harmony back into the world, right? The way that it was originally designed, we were all designed to be in harmony with each other. That's what the Messiah is going to restore, um, and especially this verse where it says the calf and the young lion shall browse together with a little child to guide them. That is him prophesying, you know, about the child Jesus, that, that the, the lion, uh, will be led by a child. Just that, that unusual imagery is really cool and definitely prophesies, you know, about the fact that Jesus will be born, you know, as a tiny child, as just like a normal, ordinary kid, seemingly but who will grow up to be, you know, to be the savior. The second reading this week is from Romans chapter 15, verses 4 to 9. Brothers and sisters, whatever was written previously was written for our instruction that by endurance and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to think in harmony with one another, in keeping with Christ Jesus, that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another then as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a minister of the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, to confirm the promises to the patriarchs, but so that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. So this kind of, the second half of this passage goes back to a big debate that the, these early church fathers had. Um, the big question in the early church and a lot of the focus of the Acts of the Apostles and Paul's epistles is um, if a Gentile wants to become a follower of Christ, does that person have to, um, you know, become Jewish, basically? Does that person have to follow the Jewish laws, um, you know, the food laws? Do they have to go to the temple or the synagogue on the Sabbath day? Do they have to get circumcised? This was a huge debate. And Paul's answer from the get-go was always no. If you want to be a follower of Christ, all you need is faith in him. And a lot of people disagreed with him, including Peter, you know, the first pope. Peter at first thought that, yes, um, someone that wants to follow Jesus should have to be um, Jewish and follow those Jewish laws. And so um, 
that was, you know, that proves to us that our faith obviously grows out of Judaism, right? Because, you know, in the in these early years, followers of Christ were also still practicing their Jewish, you know, their Jewish faith and customs and laws. And so this is when, you know, we kind of start to realize, ooh, okay, there's something different going on here. And if you are a follower of Christ, that doesn't mean that you have to follow these Jewish laws. So that's what he's talking about in the second half of the second half here, he says, I say that Christ became a minister of the circumcised. Yes. So, right. Um, he came as a savior of the Jewish people, but also that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Right. So Paul's bringing that up again, that Christ came not only as a savior for the Jews, but also Gentiles, any, a non-Jew, you know, anyone that wants this salvation, which totally ties back into the first reading because the very last verse of the first reading says um, that root of Jesse set up as a signal for the nations, the Gentiles shall seek out for his dwelling shall be glorious. So again, this, this kind of fulfillment that Jesus came not just as a savior for his own Jewish people, but for anyone, for anyone seeking him. And then also in this passage, we get that connection of um, the fact that Jesus is going to restore harmony, the harmony of creation, right? May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to think in harmony with one another in keeping with Christ Jesus. So Christ is the one that, that restores harmony to the world if we allow him to do that in our own lives as well, okay? So, you know, Christ brings harmony back into into creation and into our lives. And so how are we living out that out with each other, I think is the question that Paul's asking here. The gospel this week is from Matthew chapter three, verses one to 12. John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem... All Judea and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Okay, this is great. I love John the Baptist because he is so weird. 
Um, a lot of times my students ask me if John the Baptist was a prophet and you know, we, we wouldn't list him in the proper list of like Old Testament prophets, but he really is kind of the last prophet um, because he's the last one that really alerts the people about the Messiah and, and about what's, what's going to happen and that we need to repent. And he totally fits the, the uh, kind of stereotype of what a prophet is. He's an outsider. He lives in the wild. It says that he eats bugs. He eats locusts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he uh, is wearing some uh, camel's hair. And he, yeah, he lives off of locusts and wild honey. He's just kind of this outsider weird dude that lives in the forest and then starts coming out and, and baptizing people. And I just love that about him. And because of that, he's also... Um, kind of compared to the prophet Elijah, very similar in dress and the way that they, um, and the way that they, you know, kind of act, uh, the eating, the, the locusts and kind of living in the wild. That was also kind of Elijah's thing. Um, so John, here's the cool thing about John. He is preaching this message out in the desert. He's preaching in the desert of Judea. If, if you were John the Baptist and you were trying to get a message out to the people, where would you go? Would you go out to the middle of nowhere and preach? Who would you be preaching to? You'd be preaching to no one, the stones, the grass, the, you know, the desert. Um, and yet that's exactly what John the Baptist does. Instead of going into the city of Jerusalem, you know, think about how crowded the city of Jerusalem would have been. He doesn't do that. He chooses to preach in the desert. And so why does he do that? I think it's to draw the people out to him. You know, the prophets have this way of preaching their message in such a way that, you know, you have to come to them, right? You have to turn and make that choice for yourself to go and listen. And so he draws the people into him, which I think is a really interesting uh, technique. John is not mincing any words in his message, right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand kingdom of heaven, similar to, you know, kind of the same thing as kingdom of God. Um, it means the same thing that, that the time is now, you know, it's, it's time to repent. There's no, we can't wait any longer. Uh, it's time for you all to change your lives. And so the people start coming out to him in the desert and he brings them to the Jordan river to get baptized. Um, I had the opportunity to go to the Jordan river this past summer when I was in Israel and it's, it's, it's kind of funny now, like it's, it's very much a tourist attraction and, and, uh, you can get baptized there though, which is really cool though. You know, you can buy a white garment or you can bring a white garment. And if you, you know, if you have a pastor with you, like if you're a, a non-denominational or, or, or evangelical Protestant Christian, if you have a pastor with you, you can get baptized right there in the river. Um, and then if you were, I mean, if you were, if you had a Catholic priest with you and someone had never been baptized and wanted to get baptized, I suppose you could do that there too, which is really cool. Um, they're very, very accommodating of that. And so it's really awesome to think about, you know, being there and you, you walk into this water, which is, it's honestly kind of muddy and gross now. It's not really pretty looking water. It's, it looks brown, but you know, you step into it and you're like, this is awesome. Like, this is where John the Baptist was. And this is where, you know, and in later chapters, this is where Jesus got baptized. This is where it all, it all begins. So it's really kind of cool, um, when you're there. But anyway, so then the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, approach him. And this is the first time we really hear about them 
And Jesus, we know, is going to have a lot of conversations and arguments and debates with the Pharisees and Sadducees um, as well in his ministry. And so John the Baptist kind of is already pinning them as an enemy of Jesus, right? They haven't even met Jesus yet. And already John the Baptist is is saying, ooh, this is not going to be good for you, right? This this guy is coming and he's going to he's going to be really harsh on the way that you guys are acting. Um, and so John the Baptist starts talking about good fruit, which is, um, which is something that Jesus talks about in his, his ministry as well. As I was reading this, I was thinking about when Jesus teaches about, um, you know, like the fig tree and does the fig tree bear good fruit? That kind of made me think of this, that John the Baptist is saying, you know, look at your life. What do you have to say to yourself? What, you know, if you look back at your life, if Jesus were to lay out your life, where's the fruit? Have you, have you bore any fruit in your life? Or has your life just been this thing that's just kind of gone on and, and you really have nothing to show for yourself? That's something we really have to think about. And it's especially good to think about during this time of Advent, you know, to look over the past year of your life and say, what do I have to show for myself? Like, where did I start my year? in my journey with, with Christ and, and how am I ending it? Um, have I borne fruit as a disciple, as a Christian? And if not, then I got to change that. Like I got to, I got to make some changes. I got to make some moves. And that starts with, I think it starts internally with prayer. And then like, how do I take that outward? And that looks different for everyone. Um, but it's just something really, really good to reflect on during the Advent season is like, just meditate with this line that, Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I would just sit with that this week. That is my challenge for you. Just sit with that line, that verse, and say, okay, has my life borne fruit? Or if Jesus were to lay out my life, like, non-partially right now, is that going to be a life that's thrown into the fire? Um, and so it's not over for you if that's the case, right? Obviously, like God's mercy and forgiveness is so good. And that's what John the, the Baptist is preaching here, that um, that Jesus comes with mercy and forgiveness for those that repent, for those that make that change in their lives, right? And so John the Baptist says, I'm baptizing you with water, um, but the one that's coming is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so this is something that will obviously come to fulfillment um, at Pentecost, right? Um, way after this, you know, years after what John is preaching right now. And then he says his winnowing fan is in his hand. That would be like the, kind of like the pitchfork that a farmer would, would kind of comb through his, you know, his hay with, um, or the wheat. Yeah. Hay, wheat, whatever. Um, he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So think about that. You know, what must the people have been thinking about what this Messiah was going to be like? You know, the last thing John the Baptist says is the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. They must've been like, oh my gosh, who is this guy going to be? What does he look like? Is he going to be really mean? I don't know if John the Baptist does it, does he give the full image here of what Jesus is really like? You know what I mean? I think he, he probably scared the people a little bit here, which is good. It's good to be a little bit scared, right? We have to have that fear of the Lord. Um, but then also Jesus kind of fulfills this in a different way that yes, um, he is just and there is right and wrong, but also he's 
the Messiah of mercy and of forgiveness and of healing, which is something that I think the people were not expecting. So again, my challenge for you this week, the second week of Advent, is meditate with that line, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And take this as an opportunity to reflect on your year and you know, and, and look for those moments where you did bear fruit and where you could have and maybe didn't and how how can you make those actual real changes to make sure that your life is one that bears fruit. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would be awesome if you could give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Those ratings help us get this message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. You can also check out a shower of roses podcast.com for more information about the show or to send us an email or feedback. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week.